0: We interrupt this program for a WVUD News special
1: report.
2: Hi, Steve Craymark here. As an undergrad DJ at WXDR, I really didn't know Michael Foster except for that fantastic voice that we heard on air so often. When I finally started to work full-time at WVUD, I got to know him a lot better. I always looked forward to his visits during his weekday fine-tuning shows, and while I don't naturally gravitate towards classical music, I do gravitate towards people that are experts on subjects, and Michael was most definitely that. He knew his stuff, and he was passionate about sharing it with the audience, at a time when many other stations were afraid to take a chance on genres like classical and jazz. What I'll remember most about Michael was his passion for highlighting local arts. He even interviewed my daughter's dance group at one point. And of course, that legendary sense of humor that I knew almost nothing about until I finally started to work here full time. I still crack a smile every time I hear Michael's voice on our most interesting station satire promos. I was pleasantly surprised that he would agree to lend his professional voice to such a silly satire. I think he rather enjoyed finally coming out of his shell a little bit with his humor on the air. But behind the scenes, he was a riot. Rest in peace, Michael. And thank you for all that you've done for us at WVUD. We've invited other people from the WVUD community to share their thoughts about Michael Foster as well. What follows is a combination of their words, combined with some old promos and PSAs and other station announcements that Michael was kind enough to lend his expert voice to. Thanks for listening.
3: This is Dave McKenzie, WVUD Chief Engineer. Michael Foster was the voice of the most interesting radio station series of promotional announcements that aired on WVUD. Michael was the most interesting man on WVUD. We often discussed his appreciation of Southern culture and cuisine. His knowledge of jazz and classical music was encyclopedic. Michael educated his listeners while entertaining them. He was a quick wit. Michael would trade puns with Gary Irving and I during the transition between roots and fine-tuning on many Monday mornings. Steve Cramark would be groaning all the while in the background. We will all miss Michael as he was an integral part of the artistic
4: scene in Delaware. I'm Chuck Tarver, former station manager. J. Michael Foster will truly be missed. He was gracious, generous, kind and knowledgeable. And of course, he was known for that magnificent voice. I always enjoyed talking with Michael Foster. He was such a wealth of information. On occasion, I'd be returning from a meeting across campus and catch up with him while he was making his way to the station from Amy E. DuPont. We'd talk all the way to the station and then continue our conversation while he was in the studio. He graciously lent his voice to station announcements. I'd ask, Michael, can we borrow your voice for a promo? He'd laugh. Borrow? Often I'd just give him copy and he'd cut the spot. Then there were times when he'd ask me to produce it. The way we would brainstorm ideas back and forth, you'd think we were making a movie instead of cutting a 60-second spot. It was a joy to know J. Michael Foster. Michael, you will be missed. Hi, I'm Gloria James from Mellow Madness. Ah, the voice. The voice. We will miss you, Michael.
0: Arbitron doesn't rate them. They rate Arbitron. Fox News and MSNBC both like them. All of their knobs go to 11. They are the most interesting radio station in the world.
5: I don't always listen to the radio. But when I do, I prefer 91.3 FM. WVUD Newark. Keep listening, my friends.
0: Good evening, and welcome to Art Sounds. This is Michael Foster with Conversations with Creative People. Today, my guest is Dr. Michael Larkin, music director of uh, the Newark Chorale, among many other things. Uh, This is what we're particularly interested in. Uh, This is the role that we're particularly interested in for Dr. Larkin. Hello, Michael, and welcome. Carl
3: Goldstein here from Fire on the Mountain. Um, we have lost a real friend and valuable part of our family here at WVUD. You know, most of the folks here, it's such a joy to be among because they are smart and witty and sarcastic and funny people. And Michael was the best. And those meetings that were drone on and on, Michael just pierced them with his sarcasm and it made such a joy. Um, to be around him uh, in in almost any circumstance. Uh, I did take a course with Michael at the Osher Center for Lifelong Learning, and he taught a jazz course there, and it was terrific and filled with his witticisms as well. So he's really going to be missed, uh, and I was proud to serve alongside him in the, the DJ fraternity that we have here at WVUD. He will be sorely missed.
6: This is Even Stephen Michael Foster was one of the first people with whom I made a connection at the radio station 37 years ago. We all know about his keen sense of humor, his wit, his on-air voice and persona, and his musical scholarship, but for me it was his generosity. He'd always be enthusiastically willing to pursue any musical question I posed, help to dig up obscure recordings, and once even invited me to take a number of 78 RPM records stored away in his basement. In fact, that was the beginning of my small collection of those heavy, fragile 78 RPM records, which I occasionally use for my own program. Thank you, Michael. Your voice will continue to be heard in
7: so many ways here at WVUD. Hi, this is Victor Perez. Uh, Though I have many memories of Michael Foster, Uh, One of my fondest memories is the first time I met him face-to-face. I was a guy wanting to do a jazz show, and he was sort of the jazz guy, uh, the voice, at the radio station. And so I met him for lunch at his favorite lunch spot, Cafe Gelato, which I think he had lunch at almost every day for years and years. And I remember thinking, you know, this is is when he's going to feel me out, and this is when he's either going to let me on the station or not. I didn't really know how things worked. And so really trying to do my best and talking about the music. And, and as we uh, got near the end of lunch, I uh, uh, th- thought to myself, well, this is when I pay for it, right? And so win some favor here and help me get on the station. And he seemed surprised by that. And he said, oh, well, sure, you can pay for lunch. <laughs> and from then on, we had a, a great relationship. So um, a brilliant and fantastic radio guy uh, and, and humble until the end. Uh, he will be missed.
0: Charlie Sheen hired a personal assistant just to listen to them. They totally understood everything about Lost. Chuck Norris once beat them in a fight, but they won the rematch. They are the most interesting radio station in the world.
5: I don't always listen to the radio, but when I do, I prefer 91.3 FM, WVD Newark. Keep listening, my friends.
0: WVUD's Fine Tuning is proud to introduce the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra broadcast to our schedule each Wednesday at 11 a.m. That's the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra each Wednesday at 11 a.m. here on WVUD and WVUD HD1 Newark 91.3 and WVUD.org.
8: Hi, I'm Baby Brother. I hosted the Soul Funky Train and Ambient Delights for many years here on WVUD, and I had the pleasure of knowing and following J. Michael Foster on the air many times over the years. We had lots of fun between shows on and off the air. His sardonic wit, along with his knowledge of music, and sometimes indifference to the music that I played, would result in a lot of good-natured sarcastic jokes and jabs. He became... A dear friend and reliable presence at the station, and I always look forward to seeing him and his expected witty interactions. I always called him Mr. Foster as he was a bit of a mentoring figure when I started. The station sure won't be the same without him. We'll miss you, Mr. Foster.
9: Hi, this is Peter, host of Avenue C on Tuesdays here on WVUD. I first met Michael Foster years ago when he was still working as a music librarian at the University of Delaware. A friend brought me to the music department to meet him so that we could talk about jazz collections and, and scholarship and that kind of thing. And uh, I, I didn't realize who we were going to meet. And then when he began to speak, I realized, oh, you're you're the voice of WVUD. I've heard you all the time. It's a very weird thing to hear someone's voice and and feel like you know him because uh, of this warmth that he projects on the air, and then you finally meet them in person, and you look at their face, and you think, that's the face that that voice comes out of. That's really strange. But he was always really welcoming, and he was always been great to me, especially once I became a DJ here on the station myself. Goodbye, Michael. We'll miss you. We'll remember you.
10: Hi. This is DJ Ray, host of the Caribbean Airways Radio Show on WVUD 91.3 FM, device voice for the University of Delaware. It was an honor to meet Mr. J. Michael Foster just before my late-night radio show on WVUD. He was very humbled and soft-spoken. Mr. Michael Foster was very dedicated in entertaining his audiences with great passion and enthusiasm. A family member and a great gift at WVUD 91.3 FM will be sadly missed.
0: Birds cancel their migrations just to listen. They know where the beef is and where Waldo is too. John Lennon was afraid to say that the Beatles were bigger than them. They are the most interesting radio station in the world.
5: I don't always listen to the radio, but when I do, I prefer 91.3 FM, WVUD Newark. Keep listening, my friends.
0: WVUD is pleased to present the 2010 Music Mountain Chamber Music Series. Here the world's greatest musicians playing the world's greatest music each Wednesday at eleven AM. You're on WVUD Newark at
11: 91.3. Hi, this is Belcanto of the WVUD Tuesday fine-tuning classical show. Michael Foster. I remember your early days in the UD Music Department Library training student librarians and helping us majors get our massive music history listening done. You took a special interest in me as a fellow horn player, got me those recordings to study for recitals. The students, faculty, staff, we all loved you for your wry humor, your voice, always that amazing voice, sometimes fantastic program notes, your stylish attire with ascots and turtlenecks, your class, your presence. It all made our concerts an event for us and the audiences. On the radio, you promoted live performances and built our community. Your contagious curiosity and enjoyment for so many genres was a real gift. Thank you for hosting my fine-tuning classical dream hour. And now I'm a host. People have called me on my show saying how grateful they are for the classical weekday format. And that was all you're doing, Michael Foster, being a music missionary for classical and jazz and bringing our college radio vitality and diversity. Thanks always, Michael, for sharing, as you called it, your sickness, the love of radio, with all of us.
1: Hello, this is Larry Carr. J. Michael Foster passed away, unfortunately, uh, about a week ago. And I just wanted to uh, say that uh, I remember his uh, intelligence with regard to his programming Uh, He uh, had very interesting programs, both for classical music and for uh, his uh, jazz shows. He was uh, an interesting personality, too. He liked to tell a lot of jokes. I was glad to uh, have him around when I was down at the station. I will always mourn his death. This has been Larry Carr for J. Michael Foster.
12: Hi, this is Rich Campbell, host of Radio Free Newark and Summer Breeze Radio and the current community representative on the WVUD Operations Board. I was saddened to hear of the loss of Michael Foster, who was a main mover here at WVUD. He was so good at what he did, I must admit I felt a little intimidated, not intentionally on his part I'm sure, when I was first getting involved. His expertise with both classical and jazz was truly encyclopedic, and I learned a lot, and heard a lot of great music for the first time, on his shows. His intelligence and sense of humor were well known, as were his often come comments at WVUD staff meetings. He has left an indelible mark on WVUD, and we will greatly miss him.
0: the dowel goes up when they are on the air, dogs stop chasing cats to listen. They have dead air just so listeners can catch their breath. They are the most interesting radio station in the world.
5: I don't always listen to the radio, but when I do, I prefer 91.3 FM, WVD Newark. Keep listening my friends.
0: The Resident Ensemble Players, Delaware's professional acting company in residence at the University of Delaware, supports WVUD. The Rep offers the work and words of master storytellers and presents Hamlet, February 28th through March 17th. Murder, Melancholy, and Madness rock this powerful production of Shakespeare's Tragedy, staged by Broadway's Tony Award-nominated director Mark Lamos. For tickets, 302-831-2204 or delawarerep.org.
13: Hi all, Dave Alperson, former host of Java Time, Feedback, used to interview Santa Claus every year, and Hall of Famer for WVUD. I was so sorry to hear about the recent loss of J. Michael Foster, one of the true WVUD legends and also fellow Hall of Famer. But I also think back of him with fond, fond memories, Uh, his passion for music, his magical, majestic voice, uh, his willingness and generosity to share that voice. He helped me with so many production pieces. Uh, But his passion for music and his generosity to share that passion with his colleagues, with fellow listeners. Uh, I always enjoyed staying up late, listening to his jazz show, always learned a lot from his classical music show. He will be missed, but he will always be remembered.
14: This is Shelley Kelly of Wednesday Morning Java Time. When I first met J. Michael Foster, he asked what I did for a living. I told him that I was, and still am, a professional resume writer. When I mentioned that I should write his resume so he could be prepared for future opportunities, he politely declined, stating quite confidently that he had the best job in the world. Indeed, he did. For many years, he was the music librarian for the University of Delaware. All of us here at WVUD and all the listeners of his hundreds of radio shows were the benefactors of his knowledge— and his sharing of his resources from the best job in the world. It's true. Your efforts made us all wiser and more well-rounded. Thanks, Michael. We'll be hearing you in all the old familiar places. We will miss you. And we all are the radio station that loves you back.
0: This is Steve Klingy from tomorrow's Parties. On and off for decades, Michael Foster would host Avenue C following my show. He'd come in half an hour or more before his show to pull music and then sit at the console across from me and carefully arrange his jazz sets of birthday tributes and other themes while I was winging it playing alternative rock songs. It was kind of intimidating. For a while I'd try to end my show with something that would ease into the jazz program and Michael would find a way to begin his show with some tangential con- connection to the stuff I was
12: playing. Of course it was hard to stump him, Michael was smart, sarcastic, witty, and endlessly curious about
0: music of all kinds. He was the most interesting DJ on the planet. I'll miss him dearly. Not only do they know where Bigfoot lives, he calls in requests too. They can play albums from the center to the edge. The dust on their album sleeves is considered to be priceless. They are the most interesting radio station in the world.
5: I don't always listen to the radio, but when I do, I prefer 91.3 FM, WVUD New Keep listening, my friends.
0: WVUD invites you to join us for Art Sounds, a program of conversations with creative people. Each Monday evening at 6 30 p.m., Michael Foster talks with regional and internationally known artists. Future guests include the Seraphin Quartet. David Amano, and Judith Kay. That's Art Sounds Mondays at 6:30 p.m. on WVUD and WVUD HD One Newark at 91.3.
6: This is Bill Barnett. Michael Foster was a truly inspirational figure. What you heard on the air several times a week was a result of a lifelong passion for music and the gift of a golden voice. But that was only part of what he did for WVUD. Behind the scenes, he served as the head of jazz and classical programming, and worked constantly on curating those music libraries, and maintaining the Avenue C concert listings. It seemed like he was in the station offices every time I came in. But beyond his dedication to WVUD, it is his warmth, humor, and friendship that I will miss the most.
1: Uh, This is Joe Latimus uh, from the Wednesday Morning uh, Roots program, uh, also known as the Dave and Joe Show. And... uh, I am here to express my condolences to Michael's family. Uh, two memories come to mind. Uh, when Dave and I first started at the station, Michael was one of the first to welcome us at the station and uh, responded positively to our show and offered uh, continued encouragement to both Dave and myself. Uh, Dave and I were also involved uh, at, with WVUD's 2011 uh Halloween, Newark's Halloween uh, parade, along with uh, Michael. We had a great time that day, despite the chill in the air. The photos are still in the gallery online. We will certainly miss Michael tremendously. Hello, this is Scott Burney from Friday Morning Roots. It seemed every time I listened to Michael host Fine Tuning or Avenue C, I learned something new. His preparation and presentation set the standard to which we all should aspire. His soothing, calm delivery enhanced his passion and joy, and I am thankful to have known him and to have been a part of WVUD during his time. Thank you, Michael.
0: Other stations tell WVUD stories around the campfire. They sometimes play albums at the wrong speed For fun. Their audio broadcasts are in 3D. They are the most interesting radio station in the world.
5: I don't always listen to the radio, but when I do, I prefer 91.3 FM, WVUD Noir. Keep listening, my friends.
0: The University Museums at the University of Delaware presents the exhibition, Goya's War, Los Desastres de la Guerra, The Disasters of War in the old college gallery through December 8th. Francisco de Goya y Lucientes created these 80 etchings nearly 200 years ago in reaction to the Napoleonic invasion of Spain and the political turmoil that followed. The prints remain relevant today and have inspired many renowned artists. Information about this and other exhibitions is available at www.udel.edu slash museums or by calling
10: 302-831-8037. Greetings and good tidings. This is Akko. I've had the honor, the good fortune, and privilege of sharing a cordial bond of friendliness with J. Michael Foster for the better part of 32 years. It was J. Michael Foster who personally persuaded and recruited me to be one of the host providers of the great multifaceted weeknights jazz programming of Avenue C. To me, J. Michael Foster and I were sort of kindred jazz spirits. He was quite influential and inspirational in my overall development, enrichment, and deepening fervent love of jazz. And not only jazz, J. Michael Foster truly enhanced and further whetted my appetite and broadened my appreciation for classical music as well, of which I am forever indebted, forever grateful, and forever thankful. J. Michael Foster was a meticulous, tireless worker for WVUD, a true devotee of jazz and advocate of the arts, whose selfless contributions cannot be fully measured. J. Michael Foster's passing is such a tremendous loss and has left an incredible void. He is and will continue to be sorely and sorrowfully missed. Yet, may it suffice to say, we salute you. J. Michael Foster. We treasure you. I marvel at your greatness.
6: This is Jerry from Hip City Part 2. Michael had a very dry sense of humor, which will certainly be missed by all of us at WVUD and by the listeners to his many radio programs. Michael thrived on doing radio shows. I interviewed him a few years ago, and he proudly told me that he occupied more real estate on WVUD than anybody else. His humor, his musical knowledge, and his wonderful radio voice were his gift to WVUD. Thank you, Michael.
8: Hi, I'm Amanda Richard from WVUD's Roots Family. The last eight years I worked at UD, Michael Foster and I would overlap at WVUD at least twice a week. We always enjoyed a moment of prickly banter to each of our amusement. In reality, I just enjoyed his company, whether it was sitting near him at a staff meeting to catch his snarkiest sides, collaborating on an interview, or just chatting about music or the people we both knew. I remember once he and Bill Barnett and I all attended a jazz concert. Daniel Bennett, as I recall. We had a great time. For me, as for a lot of us, Michael Foster was the voice of WVUD. And I know that as long as there's a WVUD, we'll all still be able to hear the voice of J. Michael Foster.
0: They once used a turntable to play a CD. It sounded great. When other radio stations go to sleep at night, They look under their beds for WVUD. Even their worst songs are better than the Sopranos finale. They are the most interesting radio station in the world.
5: I don't always listen to the radio, but when I do, I prefer 91.3 FM, WVUD Newark. Keep listening, my friends.
2: We hope that you've enjoyed this tribute to J. Michael Foster through messages from his WVUD peers, as well as production works that Michael lent his expert voice to over the years. For almost four decades, that voice has been synonymous with WVUD. We continue this portion of the tribute by hearing from the master himself as Michael briefly describes his journey to WVUD. We follow with Michael's Hall of Fame promo, and we conclude with the 30-minute DJ Confidential interview featuring Michael Foster. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Michael, for your dedication to WVUD, your tireless fight for the arts community in this area, and for just being you. You'll be sorely missed, but remembered forever.
0: When I first got here and said, you know, who I was and what I'd done, and were there any openings on the classical music shows? There was a student that was running that block, as usually was the case back then, and he said, well, we'll get back to you. Well, they never did, and I thought, okay, well... This is the end, you know? Yeah. And then one day somebody called me and said, could you come and do classical? Of course we want you to do classical. There's no one that could do it any better. What's wrong with these people who didn't jump on you when you came there? So uh, I, I came and I started, and there were some people who knew about classical music and some people who didn't know much about classical music but were very interested, and it was a good program, At some point, I was doing one show a week, and then somebody did something foolish, like graduate or something like that, and there was nobody around to do classical shows. And so I said, well, I'll I'll just work that Thursday. That'll, That'll be all right. So then I had two classical music shows, and then I'd made friends with people in the jazz block. Well, would you like to do a jazz show? And I said, sure, I'd love to do a jazz show. And so that got me into Monday Night Jazz. And that's where I've been all the time. I occupy more real estate on WVUD than anybody else. You know, for me, I couldn't get enough radio.
6: Well, we're glad. We're glad (laughs) that you couldn't. (laughs) And now it's time for a trip inside the WVUD Hall of Fame.
15: J. Michael Foster arrived at WXDR in the 80s and has been a fixture on UD Radio ever since. As a professional music librarian, Michael's skills came in quite handy as he took on organizational responsibilities of the station's jazz and classical departments. In this role, Michael was also able to find fresh, on-air talent for both departments. In a time when many radio entities were doing away with jazz and classical program, Michael remained a steadfast supporter of these genres. WVUD can take great pride in knowing that they are one of the very few places in the country offering daily doses of both kinds of music. This is mostly due to Michael's tireless efforts. With his vast knowledge of the music, his frequent on-air shifts, and his smooth vocal delivery, Michael is recognized as the voice of WVUD by many listeners. In recent years, listeners have been treated to Michael's sense of humor, something that members of WVUD have known about for a long time. Whether he is making his audience listen, think, or smile, Michael Foster has left an indelible mark on UD Radio.
6: And that's another look inside the WVUD Hall of Fame, here on 91.3 WVUD. Hi, I'm Jerry Grant, and this is a series of programs we're calling Disc Jockey Confidential, here on WVUD and WVUD HD1 in Newark, the voice of the University of Delaware. I'll be interviewing some of my fellow VUD jocks to find out what path they took to arrive here at the radio station. We'll discuss their earliest experiences with music and radio, and how those experiences inform their own show currently on WVUD. Today's guest is J. Michael Foster, the head of jazz and classical programming at WVUD, the host of his own Avenue C Jazz program on Monday nights, and the host of various classical programs midday. Welcome, Michael.
0: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
6: Uh, you're a little different here at WVUD in that you do more than one show and more than one genre, so why don't you tell me about your shows?
0: I do that because... That's the way uh, my music training, if you will, or how I got into music was equally jazz and classical music, and I never have been able to put one in front of the other, so I just do both when I can. Uh, For the classical music programs, uh, everybody—I was once called the— the undertaker of classical music, because I frequently celebrate (laughs) people who have recently passed away or people whose anniversaries or birthdays uh, come up. And that's because frequently these people are uh, people that the average listener is not familiar with, and so I like to bring them to the fore. Uh, And sometimes they are familiar people, and they just deserve to be brought to the fore. So that's part of my programming. I like to support the local uh, music institutions uh, by uh, previewing concerts that are, and recitals that are happening. And I take those and and other things and just sort of create a puzzle uh, that becomes a program. And most of the time it works. And with the jazz, I'm pretty much doing the same thing. I uh, like to draw from the new releases. We don't ignore the classic performances or whatever. So that's the approach to the programs. Tell us a little bit about where you were born and where you grew up. I was born in Norfolk, Virginia. And when I came along in Norfolk, which was not a particularly cultural town, it was a Navy town, there was a classical music station and there was a, a MOR, middle of the road radio station, which was sort of, as there were in most cities, the station that most of the adults listened to. Right. And the MOR stations, at, the, at least in Norfolk, presented a wide variety of music, all sort of mixed together, uh, pop song, pop entertainers, uh, mainstream jazz like Dave Brubeck or, and uh, Broadway excerpts and, and folk type music, commercial folk music all together. And this is another way I learned about a lot of different uh, genres of music all at one time. I think the station was very good. I thought it was very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing was that when I was a child, I had this one mem- this memory of my parents having given me, or probably my grandparents having given me a toy drum set, I mean, like a full drum set. Oh. And I would sit in the, in front of the radio and play along with the music, play along with the music. Uh, so obviously the interest in music was there as well as the interest in radio and the interest in radio as a source of the music. A little while later, after I was involved in public school music and more involved in classical music as a as a musician, quote unquote, mm-hmm. I turned to the uh, classical music radio station, which basically played the music that everybody knew, except that I was in eighth grade and I didn't know all that music. So it was a revelation to me, much of it. And that was the way that I got started in listening to music, plus the being in public school, music in the in bands in junior high school, in high school, and early on, because a friend of mine was listen uh, was reading record review magazines, I started subscribing, and you can learn a lot from a very small review if you if you put your mind to it. So that was that was sort of the seed of it all. I I heard uh, announcers that I liked. I liked what they're do, were doing. And I think that there's some of that still in in uh, what I do today, some 60, 70, no, not 70, 60 years later, uh, the influence is there.
6: I should ask you about your voice mm-hmm. because uh, you have one of the great radio voices here at WVUD and in the history of radio, if you ask me. But uh, <laughs> I just wonder, did you work on your voice at an early age? or I
0: think I did, yes. I think I listened to people announcers, not just for what they were saying, but the way they were saying it, and for the what they were saying. Um, and modeled myself after uh, what they were doing. And there were several different people in several different genres that uh, interested me, so there was a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And there was a man in Washington, I had in-laws in Washington at that point, that I really, really liked. I really liked the way he did things. And when I came, came home, or wherever I was going, uh, I sounded just like him ah. when I was in front of a microphone. And then as a man, uh, a legend in in New England classical music, Robert J. Lertzema, and I used to vacation for a couple of weeks every year in New England and listen to him every morning. And when I would come back and whatever station I was working for, I was little Robert J. Lertzen, <laughs> I had to shake myself and say, no, Michael, you're Michael. Some of it, not all of it, you know? And, and so, yes, I was listening to what they were doing. I was thinking about what they were doing. Somebody said, oh, when they were talking to me on the phone one day, you're practicing for your radio, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I think I am, aren't I? Anytime I had a microphone, whether it was the telephone or a microphone or anything, I was very much aware of what I was, uh, how I was talking and how I was saying things. Plus, the fact that everybody says, Oh, well, you don't sound like a Virginian. And no, I don't, because um, in Norfolk, you don't hear one predominant accent because of all the Navy personnel there. And my father came from Illinois and my mother came from Tidewater, Virginia. So, there was no one accent that I was hearing all the time. If you listen carefully, a little bit of Virginia slips in. Uh, and that's, that's a good thing, too. Sure. Uh, so that was my training, is, is by listening. And, and I always say to people who want to start, I said, well, listen, not to, just to what the uh, announcer is saying, but the way he's saying it. And listen for things that you like, uh, that you want to incorporate in who you are.
6: Was your, was your family a military family?
0: Uh, sort of. My father was in the Coast Guard during World War II, and my mother was in the American Red Cross. Not that that's military, but that's where they met. And my father just settled in Tidewater, and like a lot of military families, just never left. When I, by the time I came along, he was out of the military, thank goodness. I lived for 21 years in Norfolk.
6: Wait, were, they, were your parents classical music fans? Not
0: at all. Not music fans at all. My father liked Blue Baron and... Uh, Jan Garber people like that in from the big band era and the the people who sang and played beautifully not jazz or classical music right <laughs> and right. my mother could care less about. well actually my mother got me into music so i can't say she could she, uh, could care less she was determined that i got all aspects of of education that i could and she wanted me to take piano lessons and i wouldn't do that and she wanted me to take ballroom dancing, and I did that, but that wasn't enough, so finally when sixth grade, or fifth grade, when they were recruiting for band, she said, you're going to be in the band now. And (laughs) so I went to the assembly, and band director who was conducting the assembly and demonstrating the instruments, said that the French horn was an easy instrument. May he have roasted in hell for just a short period of time. (laughs) Uh, because it it ain't, and uh, so I started playing the French horn uh, when I was in sixth grade, uh, but not the in, the influence was from radio, not from uh, anything that they did. And I started buying records in eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. Yeah, so that was going to be my next
6: question. Yeah. Right? Do you remember the first record you bought? Yes, I do.
0: It it was um, if you remember the the Western series Wyatt Earp. Mm-hmm. Uh, well. Hugh, Obr- Hugh O'Brien, O'Brien yes. Mm-hmm. Hugh O'Brien made a record, and I had to have it. And my parents were very reluctant uh, for me to buy it. And they were more reluctant still after I started, because it was the one I had, so I was playing it all the time. Right. And uh, so that was the first. And then, first LP that I bought. Oh, my. that was an LP? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, you went all in, yeah, on you, O'Brien. All right, uh, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> well, he or somebody sang well, anyway. Sure, way. sure, sure. And then I uh, later bought eighteen twelve overture and uh, an LP of horn music, so it was all pretty obvious for quite some time. Unfortunately, I didn't stop.
6: I was going to ask so you had a there was obviously a, a record player, a long player in your house. Yes.
0: It was, it was the Sears piece of furniture that had a, a record player in it. So sure. It wasn't much, but it certainly serves my purposes. The stereo really was a piece of furniture and was in the living room. Right. And so when I started playing the stereo, everybody went to the family room <laughs> except for me. That I kept think, saying to them, you don't know how lucky you are that I'm listening to classical and jazz instead of uh, Elvis Presley or whatever. Right, They didn't right. buy
6: that either. So you're in grade school, you take up the French horn and it doesn't last too
0: long or did you stick with oh, it for no. a while? Uh, I stuck with it all the way through college. I was very good on the French horn, except that more than most instruments, you really needed to practice. And I didn't like to practice. Right. And so invariably, there were people ahead of me who did like to practice or did practice anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's a very lonely experience to be in a practice room with just you and the French horn, I can assure you. So that made it even more difficult. You know, it's not like playing trumpet or clarinet or whatever. Right. So I never was quite as good as I probably should have been. But it was something that, yes, I enjoyed playing with the ensembles. There was a great thrill in playing. And as I say, I played it through college. I majored in music, the University Mm -hmm. of Richmond, Mm -hmm. and played through in graduate school uh, at North Carolina where they had a a wind ensemble that I could play in. But finally, when I got to the point of where I was working eight hours a day and I was uh, running uh, six hours of a radio station at that point, I had an excuse not to practice And after a while, when the uh, tiniest little intervals were hard to play, it just ceased to be satisfying anymore. I had that pleasure, and it just wasn't a pleasure anymore, and I went on to other aspects of like doing radio and writing and that sort of thing. Sure. Jazz and classical, are they coexisting at this point? The FM station that played classical music had uh, jazz as, as the afternoon drive show. And of course, as I said, there were mainstream jazz musicians like Dave Brubeck and Duke Ellington and people like that that were played on the middle-of-the-road station. So I was hearing jazz and gravitating to jazz and then started hearing the classical music and, of course, was playing classical music in, in the uh, school band, high school band especially. So the experiences were both there. I remember that the first jazz programs I was listening to on the FM station had the intro of this very sultry blonde saying, and now... Weldon K. Smith, and I thought, yes, that's what I want to have. I want to have somebody introducing my show that that way. Uh, It never happened, unfortunately. It's just a little too much sugar, I think. But Mm -hmm. it was a good. The man was a good uh, announcer, and he uh, he chose well. And in Norfolk, we were fortunate to have Dave Brubeck come every year, and we would go and see him every year and uh, some of the big bands would come through and, and Al Hurt and Louis Armstrong. So I got a, a chance to hear all of these people live uh, there. And there were jazz festivals regularly in the Tidewater area th- th- that I went to from the probably the end of high school all the way through college when I'd come back in the summer. And then when I went to Richmond to go to college, I thought I had gone to heaven because Richmond is a, is a very cultural city and they have a very fine... Symphony Orchestra, which I immediately um, subscribed to, went to their concerts and plus all the music concerts that took place on campus.
6: Do you recall uh, there's hearing live music? I mean, uh, in grade school or in the home? Well, or, that um... wasn't
0: such a good experience. We had, as part of the school curriculum, students from all of the elementary schools in town, I don't know what it was a one shot thing or whatever, gathered in this auditorium that held probably a couple of thousand people, and the symphony orchestra played. But I can't remember a thing they played, but I remember the conductor who was uh, old-school German would turn around and regularly shush us. And I thought, you can't have 2,000 or 1,000, or however many of us there were, elementary school uh, children in a room, and it'd be quiet. So that right. was my first live uh, uh, introduction to to uh, music, and it took anyway. <laughs> yeah. With jazz, did you go
6: to any clubs or anything like that? No, no, no. No. You always it did a concert, a a concert time, setting? Yeah,
0: the concert setting. It mm-hmm. was a long time before I ever went into a jazz club, and I still prefer concerts because people are there to listen and right. not to eat and drink and talk. So not very often have I gone into jazz clubs. I went to a place in Washington where there was a concert with the guitarist named Jim Hall yeah, and a trombonist named Bob Brookmeyer. Both of them cool musicians, uh, very understated. And that was all. It's just the two of them playing. And this was in the middle of the afternoon, so there weren't but 12 people in there anyway. And four of them came to talk. And they talked through the whole thing. And it was mm-hmm. it was just... You know, you wanted to just wring their little necks. <laughs> uh, uh, All right. Well,
6: so um, you. where did you go to high school? Just we'll give your high school a shout out.
0: Granby High School in, in uh, Norfolk. It was the largest high school. I think I graduated, of a course, a class of 600 people. We had a very fine band program. And I learned an awful lot about music from there, uh, classical music. And because the band repertoire is mainly started growing in the 20th century, my interest in classical music really became uh, 20th century music because of listening from that standpoint. And it has remained so. And people who listen to my broadcast wonder why I don't play Mozart or Brahms very often. But, But that's the reason. This is where I started. And this is the music that appeals to me most. So you went to the University of Richmond. That was an odd situation, because music was not a big department in Richmond. It was really aimed, the University of Richmond at that point was a Baptist university. And the emphasis in the music department was to, to start church musicians. So the emphasis was on uh, piano players, organists, and singers. And they uh, were quite surprised when this horn player wanted to major Even though I wasn't majoring in performance, I was majoring in in, uh, music history, an academic major. Mm -hmm. And so we had a a wind ensemble, quote unquote, of 12 people for the first three years that I was there. Then a new band director came, and we actually had, I think, somewhere between 30 and 50. So the experience in Richmond was not so much in the playing, but uh, in the study of music and being able to go to the events that were taking place in Richmond.
6: And, and you knew that would be your major when you entered Richmond? No, no. I
0: really hadn't given it much thought. You know how it is. You yeah, know sure. how it is.
6: Right. <laughs> and sometimes when you do give it a lot of thought, it's fruitless because it changes in a, right. in a year or two. Right. right.
0: Uh, but I had no idea. But I took a music appreciation course plus the the band course. And I just realized that that's what I wanted to spend my time doing. I had no idea what I was going to do with it, especially not with an academic degree, And then it became kind of uh, probably glorified idea that, yes, I was going to uh, write about music, be a music critic. I'm a good critic. Uh, I'll tell you about that afterwards when what you've done wrong. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and and radio. And I, I thought, well, everybody who's on makes a living that way, don't they? Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> well, kind of. There's something to learn there too. But yes, yes, and there was. Right. Yes. Uh, well, the other thing I learned is that when they start paying you, they want you to do what they want you to do. Sure. When they don't pay you, they can't do that as much.
6: Now I forget from from your bio there, but are, did you start on a college radio? Did you? Yes, there was
0: mm-hmm. a there was a station, a WCRC Richmond was a. a a cooperative school, they had a men's school and a women's school, uh, Mm -hmm. college, uh, that were not completely separate, but basically separate. Tulane is like that, Uh, Harvard is like that with whatever their school is. Right. Um, So WC was West Hampton College, Richmond College. And it was a carrier current station, and I'll bet you not even you remember what a carrier current station well, is.
6: I do remember the early days of, of WHEN, I believe, right? Which was, yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, it comes through the electrical outlets. Comes through the electrical outlets, and so right.
0: you can only broadcast, if you will, to the buildings that are hooked up. And that was where I started, and and again, I was sort of an odd. Odd duck there because everybody else was doing rock and roll, Right. and I was doing classical and jazz, or trying to mostly jazz at that particular point. It was a good place to start, and once again, there was nobody to tell me what to do because nobody knew what to tell me what to do. So, right, I kind of liked that
6: the nature of college radio was yeah. it was it block programming or what do you recall?
0: Uh, I don't think it was block. I think it was just you know you came came in and do, did your show like uh, so many college radio stations are. Who knows. Who was listening? My girlfriend was. And beyond that, I can't say.
6: Right, what was your slot? Do you remember your slot? Not
0: at all, not at all. I remember I started fall my uh, sophomore year and that is as of the end of uh, the fall of last year, my 50th year in broadcasting. I never thought I would uh, be in broadcasting. I thought I'd outlive radio Mm -hmm. and I, Thus far, I haven't yet. Well, so, good.
6: congratulations. I'm
0: I'm, I'm kind of pleased with that. Yes, mm-hmm. I guess I am. Yeah, sure. So, it was in the oh, I don't think we broadcast all day, even. So, it was in the, in the evening sometime. And uh, like I say, my girlfriend, maybe some friends, but that's also the nature of sure. college radio, especially at a, a small school.
6: Sure. So, you continue that. So, then you go on to let's be more specific about your education. So, you go on to grad school at,
0: at North Carolina. Okay. Now at North Carolina, the, uh, as is also true of many universities, at North Carolina the, the uh, FM station was the uh, flagship station for a state network of what we now know as NPR stations. Right. And so there was no opportunity for a person like me to, to be involved. So I, that was two years where I wasn't involved in radio. And then my first job was at the University of so- uh, South Carolina in Columbia. They had a college radio station that was broadcast after the, out of the continuing education department. And during the daytime, it was, you know, uh, vernacular music, for lack of a better word, rock, pop, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was supposed to be training uh, young DJs. But in the evening from 6 to midnight or 6 to 1 a.m., it was classical music. And I came and got involved. And up till then, there had been no adult like I was a whopping 24, no adult uh, involved except administration. And the people said, oh, well, we'd be glad to have you come in. And, and yes, we, would you like to run the station at, uh, during the classical time? Yeah, I could do that. And, and we'll pay you. And I said, I could do that very well. So <laughs> at my second radio gig, mm-hmm. I was running and programming a classical music station, uh, six or seven hours a night, seven nights a week. And that was, that was a lot of fun. I lost some of the original announcers that way because they were used to programming their own shows. And I feel a little bit guilty about that now that I look back at it. But yeah, that was fun. We had some record service from some companies, so it it was a nice situation.
6: The labels labels would send in their records, Yes, yes,
0: Angel in Columbia, I know for sure, I don't remember who else did that. Mm -hmm. So we had material to work with, and since I was the music librarian, I also brought in from the music library a lot of material for me to use. So there was a a variety of things drawn from several sources, and my own, of course, uh, burgeoning library. So then I went from there to back to graduate school at the University of Virginia, WTJU, and you can figure it out at some point. Thomas Jefferson University. Oh,
6: gotcha. <laughs> okay.
0: That was a station pretty much like uh, WVUD. It was a block station. It was student run. I was again doing mostly. Well, I was doing entirely classical music. I I always seemed to be doing classical because I was one of the few people who actually had much knowledge about classical music, and it, it was like, you know, it gave them uh, a little uh, extra je ne sais quoi to have classical music going on. So I did that at uh, UVA for two years, I think.
6: Your first master's was in, as a Master of Library Science, mm-hmm. an MS, and then an MA in Music History.
0: Well, I, I always tell people I went to three of the best schools in the country and was involved in the weakest programs. So that's the way <laughs> I got through. Uh, the faculty, in, in fact, were uh, bright young things on the way up. So we had a really good faculty there. You know, I was still buying jazz, and they had several clubs in Charlottesville, which would, from time to time would bring jazz acts in. I got to uh, hear Gary Burton for one of many times, and I was probably as close to him as I am to you now, which is about two yards. Yeah, right. And uh, places like that. So I continued to be involved in jazz. Uh, as a listener, and but again, it was classical music that they needed, uh, and it was classical music that the that the m a did. I took the m a because uh, like so many other things in my life, I needed two master's degrees to get the really big paying jobs in library <laughs> science. Uh, and i won't even get we won't even get into that right but, right, but you right. know you don't you mm-hmm. don't do things you know better than I do. You don't do things uh, just to make money. No. Uh, You do things because you enjoy them. And I did very much.
6: Very good. So you write the VUD in 81. Did you start out doing jazz and classical when you got here?
0: No. Uh, When I first got here and said, you know, who I was and what I'd done and were there any openings on the classical music shows. And there was a student that was running that block, as usually was the case back then. Sure. And he said, well, we'll get back to you. Well, they never did. And I thought, okay, well, this is the end, you know? Yeah. And then one day, somebody called me and said, could you come in and do classical? Of course we want you to do classical. There's no one that could do it any better. What's wrong with these people who didn't jump on you when you came there? So uh, I, I came and I started. And it was still the five days a week, two to three hours, depending on what time of history you got there. Right. I think it was three hours at that point. There were some people who knew about classical music and some people who didn't know much about classical music, but were very interested. And it was a good program. And uh, at some point, I was doing one show a week, and then somebody did something foolish, like graduate or something like that. And there was nobody around to do classical shows. And so I said, well, I'll, I'll just work that Thursday that'll that'll be all right. So then I had two classical music shows. And then I'd made friends with people in the jazz block. That wasn't hard to do. They were a very good group of people. Well, would you like to do a jazz show? And I said, sure, I'd love to do a jazz show. And so that got me into Monday Night Jazz. And that's where I've been all the time. I occupy more real estate on WVUD than anybody else. (laughs) Also added a an interview program, uh, which I've just lately uh, ceased doing because it just wasn't as satisfying as it used to be. Maybe I'll start up again sometime if they let me. You know, for me, I couldn't get enough radio.
6: Well, we're glad. We're glad that you (laughs) couldn't. You've been listening to Disc Jockey Confidential here on WVUD. These shows are part of longer interviews I conducted over the past few years, so some of the times and dates mentioned are not current. I hope to have the complete interviews available as podcasts in the near future. Tune in next Monday at 8.30 a.m. for another edition of Disc Jockey Confidential.